The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I am so proud to be part of this program, which is called Pesach Stories to Inspire. And really, it is being brought to you by two wonderful young men, one in the East Coast and one in the West Coast. The fellow on the West Coast is a young man by the name of Daniel Aguilar, who has the most wonderful organization. It's called Stories to Inspire. Now, I just want to tell you a little bit about this organization. Any one of you that's listening or watching can get more than 3,000 stories that are told by Rabbanim and noted speakers, and they are on many, many different topics. All you have to do is go on to www.storiestoinspire.org. Not only that, if you don't have a computer, you can listen to these stories. There's a hotline. I want to give it to you, both here in America and in Eretz Yisrael. I'll repeat the numbers twice. The New York number is 718 718- Four zero zero seven one four five seven one eight four zero zero seven one four five, and in Eretz Yisrael it's o seven two three two seven five two o six. Again, o seven two three two seven five two o six. You can get stories on any topic. And they have an index. It's very easy to follow, whether you want on Chesed, on Tefillah, on Torah, on Yerushalayim, on Ashkocha Pratis, anything that you could imagine. Daniel has done a fabulous job of putting it together, and he's always adding new stories. Go on it. You'll be inspired. The second gentleman is a man here on the East Coast. His name is Nsanel Epstein. Now, this is being dedicated, Lazicha Nishmas, his wonderful grandfather, who I knew personally. His name was Dr. Howard Feintuch, a tremendous Baltfila, so involved in the Nusach Atfila and in the Parish Atfila. He was a Gavaldika Baltstoka. And in Lashon Kodesh, of course, his name was Eliezer Moshe ben Aaron Yosef. Now, Nassanel Epstein is known as the talisman. Any type of talus or tzitzis that you want, Ashkenaz, Sfard, if you want Tchelas, whatever you want, you can always call the talisman. I'll give you his number, 856-745-9588. Again, 856-745-9588. And you can also go online www.thetalisman.com and Asana will come to your school, will come to your shul, will talk to you about all the aspects of talis and tchelis and tzitzis. He's a remarkable young man. Both of these, Hashem should bench them, both Daniel and Asano, for all the Avedis HaKodesh that they are doing and how they are helping the Tzibor in so many, many different ways. So now let's get to the three stories. These three stories are all Pesach stories and they have inspired me every time that I have told them and they inspire those that hear them. Let me tell you the first one. It shows fabulous sensitivity of a great tzaddik that we all certainly heard of and I had this to meet numerous times. His name was Rab Shlema Zalman Orbach. Over a half a million people came to his Levaya many years ago. He was a brother-in-law of Rab Shalom Shradron. And that's how I got to know him. Now, Rab Shlema Zalman had a nephew called Michal. 
And a few days before Yontif, he said to his nephew, Michal, I want you to come to my home right after Biochometz. And Michal was surprised because, you know, in Eretz Yisrael, they have only one day Yontif. It's not like us that have two days Yontif. So everything evolves around that first day Yontif. And Erev Yontif is a busy time. But if the Godel Hadar, his uncle, asked him to come Dafka right after Biochometz, he knew he had to be there. So, of course, he burned his chametz and then he ran to see what his great uncle wanted. And he was surprised because on the table by Rav Shlomo Zalman were 10 envelopes. They were all sealed and they were all named and addressed and they had names and addresses on each one of them. And Rav Shlomo Zalman said, Michal, I need you to deliver these Erev Yontif. Go right now and deliver them as soon as possible. Now, Michal is a tremendous Askin, and he had raised a tremendous amount of money for many of the Nitzrachim in Yerushalayim. And when he quickly glanced at the names on the envelopes, he knew some of those names, because he had brought them stuck before, and he has raised money for some of these on the end. And he was surprised, he said, Uncle, or however he called him, he said, some of these people, I know that they already have money. Nobody's going out to buy matzah and wine, Erev Yontif. And Rav Shlomo didn't answer. He just said, Michal, please do what I tell you and go and deliver these envelopes. Well, of course, as I said, Michal was very busy. So he went very quickly to house number one, house number two, house number three. He didn't stick around to see what was in the envelopes. He just had to deliver them. But... The fifth guy opened the envelope right as soon as he got it, right as soon as he knew that it was from Abshleimah Zalman. And Michal took a look at it, what was in the envelope, he couldn't believe it. It was tickets to the Gan HaChayot, which is the biblical zoo, which is in Yerushalayim. What in the world was Abshleimah Zalman sending these people, Erev Pesach, that was so important, tickets to the Gan HaChayot, and besides, there was some cash in there as well. Well, now when he came to the sixth home, he waited for the guy to open up the envelope, and it's again the same thing. Tickets to the Ghana Chayot, the biblical zoo, plus some cash. Well, he couldn't understand this, but whatever it was, he certainly wasn't going back, Erev Yontif, to ask Rav Shlema Zalman. But the first day, Cholamayit, he went right after davening in the morning. He went to his uncle, and he said, please, please, could... The Rav explained, why was it so important to give envelopes with tickets to the Ganachayot and some cash to all these families? Listen to what Rav Shlem said. You'll see greatness. He said, I know the children of Yishalayim. On Yantif, they'll all be talking about the trips that they are taking with their parents on Cholomayit. Now, there'll be some kids in shul whose parents couldn't afford to take them any place. And you know how miserable they're going to feel? That other kids are able to go places and they can't. When children would see that and hear that, they'd go home and complain to their parents. And that only would it ruin the children's Simchas Yantif, but it would also ruin the Simchas Yantif of the parents, because the parents would feel guilty that they can't take their children anyplace. He said, I wanted every one of these families, that the children should know they also have a place to go, and it's a beautiful place to go. And like this, he gave the tickets and some cash to all these families, so that those families and their children would have a Simchas Yontif. How great is that? And that's what the Rambam tells us in Hilchas Megillah. There's nothing, there's nothing, Ta'chadish Baruch that's so important as making those people who don't have to make sure that they feel good over Yontif. And that's exactly what Rav Shlomo Zalman was doing.
That's the first story. I want to tell you the second story, which was told to me by the person to whom it happened. Now, in April of 1945, after the Second World War was over, the Skolena Rebbe, Rebeleza Zisha Portugal, was in a place called Chernovitz in Bukovina. That was part of Romania, but it was being controlled by the Soviet Union. And we know today, as I am making this video presentation, how terrible it can be when you're under the auspices of the Soviet Union. We know what's going on in Ukraine. So they, in Romania, were under the Soviet Union. And the Jews were nervous, but Rav Eliezer uh, Zisha Portugal, the, Portu the Skolena Rebbe, wanted to be sure that those who had come back from the war, and there were many Rabbanim that had come back to Romania, they were going to leave eventually, but now they were there, that they would have matzahs for Yantif, at least some matzahs. So he had a chassid by the name of Fischl Kerpel, and he said to Fischl, please go out and get some wheat, and we're going to mill it, we're going to make flour, and we're going to have matzahs, and we're going to give it out to those Rabbanim that came back from the war. Not everybody survived, but those that are here in Chernovitz, in Bukovina, we're going to give them three matzahs each. And that's what happened. They put together some wheat and they milled it and they ground it and made flour and they put, put together matzahs. And then some of the Rabbonim came, some of them sent shlichim because they knew that the Skolena Rebbe was giving out matzahs. Now, there was a Rebbe, his name was the Serot Vizhnitzer Rebbe. His name was Raboruch Hager. He also was there in Romania at the time. And he had an eight-year-old boy, Moshe. Now, Moshe eventually became the Sarah Vision to Rebbe Haifa. And I spoke to him when he was an adult. He's the one who told me this story. Because when he was eight years old, his father, Rabbi told him, go to the Skalana Rebbe because he's giving out matzahs. So the little boy goes, just like his father sent him. And he says, Rebbe, I just want to give the Rebbe regards from my father, the Sarah Vision to Rebbe. And the Skalana said, oh, your father's such a tzaddik. Please give him my warmest regards. And he gave him three matzahs. The little boy told me, little Moshele, looked at the Rebbe and said, my father told me that you're giving three matzahs, but he would like to have six. And the Skolena Rebbe said, six matzahs? I can't give six matzahs. If I give six matzahs to you, I won't have for other people. I don't have enough to give to everybody. He said, what should I do? My father insisted that I can't leave unless you give me six matzahs. What could the Skolena Rebbe do? The Sarah vision of the Rebbe was a tremendous tzaddik. So the Skolena Rebbe said, okay, if that's what your father wants, I'll give it to you. And he said, don't forget, give him my warmest regards. He's a very special person, your father. And that's what he did. The little boy told me, he went, I mean, he told it to me, of course, when he was an adult. I called him a Haifa. And he used these matzahs, he actually brought the matzahs to his father. Now listen to this. Heir of Pesach, Rabbi Haga, sent the eight-year-old boy Moshe back with three matzahs to the Rebbe. Tzerev he comes into the Skolena Rebbe's house and he says, my, ma my father said I should give you these three matzahs. What do you mean? You're making a joke? I told you in the beginning that I couldn't give you the six matzahs. I wouldn't have enough for everybody. And you took six. Your father said he wanted six. And now you're giving me back three. What is the meaning of this? Listen to what the little boy said to the Rebbe in the name of his father. He said, my father knew. And he said to me that there's no question because... You, the Skalana Rebbe, are such a tzaddik that you would give out the best matzahs to everyone and you wouldn't have perfect matzahs for yourself. And my father knew that you would give him perfect matzahs. So he 
took three extra matzahs and saved it just right before Pesach to bring it back to you so you would have the perfect matzahs that you were giving to others. And you know something what's so great about that is because the Skalana Rebbe was thinking about everybody else and the Sarah Vision to Rebbe was thinking about him. That's greatness. Those I can tell you them. They don't think only about themselves. They're thinking about others. The third story I want to tell you happened right here in this house where I am making this. I'm making this video presentation in my living room and this happened right in the other room right here in the dining room. It happened more than 20 years ago. We were sitting at the Seder table. I was leading the Seder with my children and some of my grandchildren. And at that time, I had a four-year-old grandson. Today, Baruch Hashem, he's married with two little kids himself. But this story goes back, like I say, more than 20 years. It's a little boy, Avram Zalek Pfeiffer. And just as we we're about to say, Vahisha Omda, and that's a very happy time in the Seder. Everybody picks up the case of wine and we sing together. And my little grandson comes over to me. You know, he couldn't follow the whole Seder, so he's running from room to room. And he comes in and he says, Zadie, can I sit on your lap? Well, any of you out there that will be Zadies or Bubbies, when your grandchild asks you, can I sit on your lap, you know you're going to say yes, right? So I picked up the case with my right hand, because I'm a righty, and I picked up my little boy, my grandson, on my left lap, and we began singing Vahishamda. And as we began singing, I looked at the words, and somehow the words struck me as they had never struck me before. And suddenly, tears came to my eyes. And I started crying. And everybody's looking at me. What is he crying about? This is such a happy time of the Seder. And I'll tell you why I was crying. Because I said these words. Not only one nation is trying to get rid of us. In every generation they're trying to get rid of us. And I was thinking, isn't it enough? We lost 6 million in the war. Right? And we lost over 30,000 soldiers already. And Aaron Yisrael, when does it end? It never stops. And that's what the Bala God is telling us. That's terrible. And that's why I was crying. Because I was thinking, what's going to be with this kid? And what's going to be with all the kids his age? What does the future hold for them? And of course, I tried not to look up. I didn't want anybody to see me crying. And we finished singing the song, I wiped my tears, and we went on. I didn't say a word about it. I didn't want to ruin the ambiance and the atmosphere of the Seder. But after the Seder, I took out every single Haggadah that I had. And I had to find somebody that says something that would give me some consolation. And I found the Haggadah of the Chidah. Rabbi Chaim Yosef David Azaloi, the great Svarik Tzadik. And you know what he writes? He asks a question. He says, what did the Balagodah mean? What do you mean, Shebuchold, over there, Umdumaleinu, Lechaliseinu? What does that mean? It's not so. Not every generation we're trying to, they trying to kill us. In America, Baruch Hashem, we're, we're flourishing. We have yeshivas, koilos, besyakos. Twice already we had over 90,000 people at MedLife Stadium for the Siyam Ashas. Yidin lived hundreds of years in other countries, whether it was in Poland or Lithuania, and they survived. And then, un- unfortunately, at the end, it was terrible. But it's not Shabbat over a dar. And the Chidok is a fabulous answer. And he says, you know what the Balakot is telling you? It's not the sword, it's the smile. When you think things are good, and take a look in America today, we have worse assimilation than we ever had before. We're losing so many Jews. Why? Because of the smile. Because every person 
If they're not religious, they can get a job any place. They can go to any college, any bar. They can mix with the Goyim. And it's the smile. You get along with the Goyim. You begin to dance like them and sing like them and act like them and think like them. And that's what the Balagot is telling us. Behold, be careful. Tell your children, be careful. It's not only the sword, it's the smile. When you feel so comfortable with the Goyim in the same neighborhood, in the same planes, in the same trains, in the same elevators, you have to be careful. That's what the Balagot is telling us. I felt much better. The threat I felt, at least we're aware of it, we can be aware of it and be careful. Now all of you know, or many of you know, that I am a male. That was the first night of Pesach. Cholomoyed Pesach. I went out to do a bris in Suffolk County, a town called Mount Sinai, of all places. The father was not Jewish. He was an Italian guy. But the mother was Jewish. The mother was Jewish, and that's why her parents wanted that their grandson should have a bris. And of course, the child is Jewish, so of course, I did the bris. Now, I wish I would have had a camera. Because right after the bris, when I finished, I turned around, and on the table there was food that they were going to serve. Listen to this. There was a blue box of Horowitz, Margaret, and Matzis, a plate of bagels, a meat platter, and a cheese platter. Every Avera you could think of. Chomets and matzah, bosa b'cholov, kosher, non-kosher. What is going on here? How did a bris like this happen? What does Leo and Levi think about a bris like this? What does Hashem think about a bris like this? How did this happen? Matzah, chomets, bagels, meat, cheese, what's going on here? You know what the answer is? Because of the smile in America, not, not the sword. Because the mother could get along and go in any place where she met non-Jewish people and became so friendly with them and she ended up marrying. That's horrible. That's what the Chidah is telling us. And that's the lesson of this third story. We must show a pride and a love of Yiddishkeit. That even though we live in Golas, no matter where we live in America, any place in any country, we're in Golas. And you've got to be careful. Because sometimes in Golas, they're very nice to us. But when they're very nice, you've got to be careful. That's the lesson. Let's give on this Yontif a pride and show that we love to do mitzvahs. And we love each other and we care for each other. And if we have that achdos, the way Rabbi Shlomo Zalman had for those poor children, and we think about those that have less than us, and we think about the Skalene Rebbe, how we went out to help others, even in difficult times, that's how we become great Yidden. Hashem should bless all of us that this month of Nisan, Shataka, be the month of Geula. We should be able to all go to Eretz Yisrael, finish with the Golas, and be together with Mashiach. You've just ex- enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.